This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How are you? Very well indeed. Who are we introducing today? Today we are introducing Carl Braden, who describes himself as a stay-at-home dad but he is even though that is like the coolest job in the world he is also really important in our community here in the eastern bay of plenty as the chair of the chamber of commerce here at what's probably been the worst 12 months of the you know of this history's community so uh welcome carl and thank you very much for joining us today and making the time we know you're busy kia ora and thank you very much for the invitation it's a it's a real honor to be here today thank you welcome how has your bubble life been Ah, um, interesting, complicated, uh, daunting, but at the same time, really enjoyable. Um, it's, a, it's probably incongruous and indescribable, and I think I'll only actually have words for that in about 15 years' time. Um, <laughs> I tested it. <laughs> and uh, it's been a complicated series of events, over, as Mawera just said, in our community, and um, I've been at the forefront on a couple of those incidents, and uh, ever since the 9th of... Uh, December, my world has basically been upside down. So, which was unfortunately the the day that Fakari blew up um, and maimed and uh, tragically killed a number of people in Aorohi uh, while they were visiting um, our amazing attraction here at White Island. So, ever since then, uh, it's been leading into lockdown. Um, yeah. So, you were at home, obviously, because we all were. Yep, absolutely. I stayed at home, um, had a really interesting experience. Um, we, uh, how do I describe it? We, at, at the Chamber of Commerce, we obviously had a lot of people who were extremely um, unsure of the certainty of the future that was ahead of them. And they were um, certainly wanting to know where they could get help and how they would be able to access it. So, yeah, for us, it's just been um all hands on deck trying to get things um resolved and trying to help where we could while at the same time not lose any stress or maybe support the kids um like that was our biggest priority i guess uh, so it's, it's just been at home but at the same time we're very very fortunate in the part of the world that we live in where we, i could do all of those things um taking my calls and everything like that on the beach so, yeah, it's all good like that in some ways. Got to look at the half, there's glass half full, right? And being a teacher and all those sorts of things that people were doing with with children. Yeah, um, I must say that both my wife and I, who, who is, we are separated, uh, she lives about five doors down and that was a godsend for us. The kids were able to revolve between our two homes um, very easily. Uh, it meant that while both of us were working very, very hard during COVID to get businesses the support they need, um, we didn't necessarily uh, fulfil our teaching obligations to the extent of some other people. I felt very clearly, and I still feel very strongly about this, that for the very short period in our kids' lives that was the lockdown, um, I was not willing to compromise my relationship with my children yes. um, so that they could accelerate at school when, quite frankly, they're already doing exceptionally well. And the biggest problem for them, biggest challenge for them was actually their social distancing. So I was finding ways to stay engaged with them in a meaningful way. 
um, not necessarily as a dad, but um, uh, as as a friend as well, because that was what they really needed as well as that. You're talking about the uncertainty that businesses face, and it's kind of a bit of a problem. Is that that can't you don't have a solution to that? This is an uncertain time. What are you telling them, and how are you helping them through that? Oh, look, it was a real challenge, wasn't it? Um, the 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 information we were trying to consistently tell them was that they were going to be okay, reassure them, um, that we were very lucky in the part of the world that we lived in. Um, my wife is American, and my children were born overseas. One was born in Singapore, and one was born in France. So it's, they've got a good global perspective on what, what's going on out there. Um, and we were able to put context around things um, and reassure them that while it felt bad for us, we were actually in a very fortunate position and we tried to practice a lot of gratitude. Um, and, you know, that's for a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, those, that gratitude is a very big word. And I think that uh, we just tried to create that, con- that sense of uh, consistency and constancy for them on the message. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have a Pink Floyd a Learning to Fly. Why this one? Ah, uh, there's something about the um, just the title. <laughs> um, I, there's something about that. But I, I've always um, loved Pink Floyd. Um, I've loved the riff. I love the um, just the the multiple evolutions of the band that they've gone through. And uh, this this one, I guess, songs have a have a meaning at a certain time in life. And uh, this one was special for me when I was growing up. Um, it was when I was beginning to develop my own music sense. Uh, And yeah, I guess that's it for me. It's just a moment in time in my life.
So you talked about the businesses being disrupted. How are they doing? Um, well, my way to introduce this as uh, being a really um, big moment in time in our community here and been a really challenging time, um, we're quite fortunate. And I dare say I use those words really, very cautiously. Uh, over the last two years, the Eastern Bay of Plenty has had a huge surge in focus from our central government. The late Labour-led government has actually put a huge amount of community focus on the Eastern Bay of Plenty, which has been neglected for many, many years. Um, the regions have been neglected, and this has probably been the most neglected region of the entire country. So we've spent two years building a program of projects across the Eastern Bay, which are um, about a quarter of our GDP in terms of capital spend. So that's huge. Mm. All of this began, began to get funded in December through February this year. So ironically, our credit card spend of electronic transactions in this region are up on last year. Now, there are no, no real places in New Zealand that can say that, um, except for here. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. That's bloody hard. And I'll also say that the biggest challenge for a lot of our businesses today and the recent Chamber of Commerce survey that we ran was course financing and cash um, but then right up the top for the first time ever was um, mental health and well-being for business owners and their their teams now that's a really sad state of affairs because as we all know despite the confidence that we have in our region because of those big investments um, from central government and local businesses we um, we know that a business is more than an enterprise it becomes your life when you own it and your team becomes your family and uh it's uh it's really challenging and you know it's, it's really interesting that these business owners are identifying now that they need support not just economically but actually mentally and a lot of their health and wellness side of things because it's been extremely stressful despite the fact that we're doing well it's also you said it's a, it's worrying that they're focusing on that, but it's also encouraging that they're focusing on that because it turns the the reason for in for being in business into uh, uh, you know there's no point doing this if it if it's literally killing us. Yeah, you've you've nailed it right there. You're absolutely right, Sam. The um, business is um, not meant to drive life, right? It's meant to be a part of life, and uh, I think that this. COVID response has actually allowed us to take a big step back and reprioritize what we think is important to us in our world and how we're going to go about achieving it. And as often in business, it's about how we do it, right? And we're trying right now to, to take this opportunity. Um, one of my other hats that I wear is the economic development agency. I'm general manager for that in Eastern Bay of Plenty. And um, we're trying to find ways to deploy social procurement tools that we've been looking to do for many, many years, but haven't actually had the the, the impetus to do them now this has accelerated that and now we're actually able to go okay how do we relook at the way that we contract uh, services and products across the region 
from the, some of the biggest buyers that are out there. And of course, central and local government and just and the regional government are key players in that space. So how do we work with and incentivize local businesses to thrive through winning those contracts? How do we work with um, businesses that are willing to take on apprentices at a greater rate? How do we work with businesses that want to that reinvest back into their plants and capacity and people um, as a priority? How do we work with those businesses that really represent us as 48% Māori population across the Eastern Bay of Plenty? How do we get those businesses that are wanting to reflect us as a region within their own um, makeup? How do we incentivize that? So we're, this is a really interesting moment in time. Do you see um, that as a... And- do you see that as a space for social enterprises, or is that a movement which is happening more more widely than that? Oh no, it's much more than a social enterprise. This is the way that Tanga um, Māori principles of looking at a a that the broader impact of the economy is actually, I think, the future of the economy. And I actually, it, it's so I'm, I'm a, I am a director on a number of social enterprises. But I'm not talking about social enterprises here. This is about this becoming the core of what we would call traditional business models. So it's bringing that forward. I think COVID has accelerated a lot of these change processes around the world. Um, And in social procurement specifically, we're seeing a lot of central government and regional and local government now accelerating those plans. And it's wonderful. It's great to see. Is that acceleration because... People are being forced to, to to look at why they're in business and and, and how they're in business, or, or or is it or is it more sort of transactional than that? Is it people like desperate for new markets and maybe it's both of those? I think it's both of it. It's about survival at the same time. Um, you know, the cash is king, but I think at the end of it, people have realised how strongly uh, they rely on their networks and. I think that old saying of the, uh, the toes you stand on today are connected to the ass you kiss tomorrow um, may well actually be coming true here because people like doing business with people they like and they do that with the, the human connection, right? And this is where those relationships come through to the fore and I really think that the social principles where like-minded people can come together and find a way to make a difference without sacrificing quality or price that's the key there right one plus one should be greater than two if you do it in a way that benefits both it's it's much more than a transaction these days it's how do you work together to create a sustainable um, pipeline there's there's a great example where a local provider um, of engineering services he uh, wasn't even considered for a uh, a refit of of a truck um, done locally here, and he rang me and said, "How do I get involved? Because this business is only employs locals here. The per- the, the the company that we were trying to build a partnership with, or, um, or the enterprise that the, the we were trying to build a partnership with, didn't want to hear us. Um, but we know they're committed to localism just as much as us. How do we? How do we? How, can you help broker that?" relationship because they just outsourced everything to Maramara. Now I've got nothing against Maramara. Great place. Great friends there. However, both companies were looking to grow the local economy and wanted to amplify their spend in the local economy, knowing that the money goes around. So connect the two people up, find a way, the next quote goes out, they get the business. That's it's not about survival for them. It's about a sustainable pipeline and it's making sure that they understand that it's, you know, one hand washes the the other in the local economy here. It's really important. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou ko tahoho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universes, and I really hope that wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here 
making things better. Thank you. So I'm very excited to talk to you. And wonderful, wonderful Sam, who we all know and love, has given me the great honour and the great privilege, not only of being on this show, and I'm so grateful, but also of talking to you for a wee bit longer today, which is very exciting. Not only that, but also sharing with you one of my songs which I wrote with my wonderful band, Tahu and the Takahis. And this song is really all about what I feel most passionately about, and I want everyone to realise, of course, which is that we are all so incredibly amazing. We are all connected to all life in an infinite web. So we need never feel alone. And just like all the life that surrounds us now, all the life that's gone before our life to make our life possible and all the lives that are waiting to be born, we are completely unique. And this is, of course, a very exciting and wonderful thing about biodiversity. But it's also a reflection of our true nature as a spark of the infinite consciousness living its life out, living its its time out on this beautiful paradise planet as a human animal and of course we can do all these different things and we're contributing all the time not necessarily consciously and over time of course we realize what gifts we have to share and what gifts we have to share that are just so 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 important to us and they're calling to us to share them And I've been very, very lucky with the band. I love the band so much. And we've been together in many different forms over the years. But officially began as Tahu in the Takahes in 2012. So we've been going for a long time now. And really, the, the band for me is just all about encouraging everyone to love themselves and encouraging everyone to love their life and encouraging everyone to realize their own magnificence. This is very important. And so I love dressing up in all these very exuberant costumes with the band and, you know, really theming the costumes and designing the costumes in terms of what we're playing for. And so I've had all kinds of different costumes over the years that are very, very elaborate. And we recently played at the Town Hall for the World Herpetological Conference, which was very exciting. So, of course, all our costumes had to be of lizards and frogs and scaly-skinned and slimy-skinned creatures. And I was able to wear this absolutely enormous dress. They had a very, very long train of this beautiful scaly, shiny green material. And all of the band hid under the train. And I came out onto the stage of the town hall and they were all hiding under the train. And then eventually I pulled on the train and they emerged from underneath the train and one of them had a big frog head on. So it was very dramatic. And the band is really all about having fun and getting everyone dancing. And of course we know when we're dancing and we're having fun that our body just loves it and our body gives us lots of happy chemicals. But also we have a great time with people Maybe that we're meeting for the first time. So I just, yeah, I really love the band and all the great experiences we've had celebrating life all over New Zealand. So I'm so grateful. And the song that I wrote that I'm going to share with you today is really all about what I want everyone to feel, which is that sense of their own unique power their own unique gifts, their own unique presence, their own unique perfection. And of course the song talks about how when you love someone, you recognise how unique they are and you recognise that there's nobody else in the whole universe, the whole infinite universe that is like them. And this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that love gives us, that love gives us that opportunity to feel enshrined and to feel recognized, to feel seen. And for many of us, I really, really hope that not only have we had the opportunity to love somebody else and feel all those things and recognize their perfection and their magnificence and their unique charms and skills, but also, of course, that we have had the opportunity to be loved 
and to feel appreciated as the unique triumph of nature's art that we are and to feel appreciated completely outside of anything that is to do with the human world, that we are being appreciated as ourselves. And that's not to do with anything that we've done or anything that we have, but it is really just to do with us and our true nature, that spark of genius that we all are, that spark of incomparable and irrepressible life that is so unique within us all. And we're so lucky that we can encounter it. Wherever we go, whoever we connect with, there is opportunity to encounter it. But of course, love, when we have that close connection and we have all that time to really appreciate and connect, then we can really experience it, which is wonderful. So I really hope that when you hear this song, it really encourages you and inspires you to feel that love that you have within you for yourself. Really appreciate how amazing you are, how completely unique and brilliant you are and how you're here making things better every day with the perfect gifts that you have to share. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. and the Takahis. Nobody does it like you. I'm with Muera Karatai. We're talking with Carl Graydon. We've seen lots of societal level changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Well, that's a great question. Um, reimagining is, I've never heard that word used so many times in, the, <laughs> in my life as I heard in the last few months. Look, I think that the um, the the way that business leaders or leaders in the community have come together, that collective unity, I think, is um, continuing. I'm seeing connections now that have never been there. Um, 
and they could have easily fallen away immediately afterwards. But the ethos and the way that people now see the importance of um, sharing, it's, it's okay to open up your strategy. It's, it's something you don't need to keep behind a closed door. I think that's really important. I think the, um, the change in the ways we work with technology, that's going to change us fundamentally as a society. Um, absolutely fundamental. I think it's made people realise that internet these days is no longer an option. It is a human right. I think that's really important. Um, the connectivity we have uh, is enabling the economy for the future. And my children, your children are now learning to use that technology in ways that we already can't imagine. And I think that's been accelerated due to COVID. The, the fact they've been on their computers now um, with their lessons, et cetera, uh, exclusively is, is really going to, I actually see a lot of benefits coming in the next 10 to 15 years as a result of that. Not necessarily today. Um, I also think that um, in terms of society, oh God, the whole message of being kind, um, I think that's really important. I think it's sunk in. Um, I also, you, obviously, the, 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 uh, the unfortunate unintended consequences of this around racism, I think, have only been brought to the fore as well. And I think that that's um, something which was always there and was always going to take a moment in time to, to be a catalyst to, to, to raise its ugly head. Um, and, that you know, obviously those fractures in society get exposed when these things, um, when people get under pressure. And man, people have been under pressure. So it's a great question. And I think um, I wish I had have been uh, uh, much more eloquent in my answer. But I'm, I think that it's just everything, as we know today, has basically been turned upside down. And the ways of working will be fundamentally different. So the, we know that things are changing in terms of the, you know, people are now moving to the technology. But that be kind message which yeah. certainly resonates with people, you know, clearly I'm going to be kind to my neighbours and things. Is it also resonating in a business sense? Are people thinking about their business values and, and how the businesses are operating under this be kind message? I'm certainly seeing it. Um, so I, I am a director on a business, for example, where our mission is to empower women in the South Pacific. Um, great business, by the way. Go and buy some vanilla from Hey Lala Vanilla. Um, wonderful company. <laughs> Uh, based in Tonga, and um, we had a huge surge, massive surge of people interested in not the product, but the product permeates itself through the way that we work with our people in Tonga, right? So the branding is, and the sorry, the messaging and the the whole uh, approach to sustainability to people has resonated in this new world. People want to make sure that the products they're buying are responsible. They want to make sure that we're treating people with a living wage or with a uh, uh, education support or whatever it may be that that's important to the business community, that, to the, or sorry, to the, to the community that you operate in. It's much more now than putting a product in a jar and selling it or whatever it is that, that any business may do. Do you think we'll see the equivalent of greenwash? Do you think we'll see be kind wash? Uh, yes. I, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, we work in a capitalist world. Um, at the end of the day, people will take advantage of it and people will take a, a veneer on, on certain things without a doubt. And that's why the, the great brands will survive. And those that... Um, the, other, the other thing there, Samuel, is that um, you need to realise in this infinitely connected world, your veneer gets wiped off in a second. And I talked to someone who I talked to someone who said that even if someone is doing greenwash, then at least yeah. that shows that they know how they should be behaving. Um, and That's then the, if the, the consumers call them out on it, and that they clearly have demonstrated that they they know what they should be doing. So let's just make sure they are doing it. That's a great way to put it. Actually, um, awareness is the first step. Acceptance is the next step, and then action, and actually putting your finger in your your, your hand in your pocket and paying for what you is different that may mean you need to pay a premium um for that values-based decision 
Um, so, yeah, that's a very interesting way to put it. And I, th and I think that maybe the uh, the veneer is a way of educating some people. Yep. You've had lots of time of your career working working overseas. Are the sort of the, are the international connections for businesses holding up? Clearly, they can't travel there anymore, or for the moment. Yeah, I, and I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Actually, the um, the human connection is even more important now, and the people that have already established those face to face relationships have time spent time investing in the one on one relationships will only thrive if they've done it right. Um, the uh, the the businesses that I'm involved in that work in the export world uh, continually have face uh, have FaceTimes or Zoom calls or whatever it is to keep up that that uh, personal connection. Um, and one of the other things you see people now, I see my customers, for example, in, in the global markets in a slightly different way because I see them at home, Sam. I see them with their kids running around the back. Yes, <laughs> I get I get to see what's on their bookshelf. I get to see, you know, the outlook they have. I'm not everyone's fortunate to sit like I am now looking at the sea. You know, they get to see some amazing things. You know, New York, you can see the apartment next door, across the road. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a really amazing opportunity here for these global relationships to actually become more personal with Zoom. It's the irony of the technology. Yes, it's something that's happened that, not just globally, but within our communities, that the the very thing that we can't do, which is be together, has actually brought us together. In some ways, I mean, I've got family in America, I've got family in Brazil, I've got family all over the place in Australia, New Zealand, and um, the irony is, I actually have seen more of them because of <laughs> COVID than I ever have. Uh, I would normally travel to see them at the, every opportunity, but you know, this is a uh, yeah, this is just needing meaning we need to do it in a different way and embrace it. What do you think the lessons are from how we've responded for the the questions, the bigger questions, climate change and social justice and biodiversity? Do you think we can learn from, from how it's happened or how we've responded? Um, I'd like to hope so. Um I mean, obviously, the being the be kind message hasn't soaked, uh, hasn't necessarily permeated uh, a lot of the white supremacist um, or Black Lives Matter sort of mo movements right now. Um, I do see some real challenges um, with climate change. I wish that we were able to address climate change in a similar way, to, with with similar level of urgency to what we've achieved through um, COVID. Um, I don't think that the burning platform is there yet. Yet. Um, and I'm not sure what's going to get there, get us there, actually, to be honest, because it is a crisis that is upon us. It's not, uh, you know, in terms of time, it is now, or it was actually yesterday, to act. So I, I um, it's a great question, and I, I, I often struggle with this. Response was driven largely by uh, an economic outcome in response, the need for an economic response. Um, and we don't, didn't necessarily have the same, we don't have the same urgency to address the longer term economic outcomes that we've got, like climate change. And what this has shown us is that we can do amazing things as a society, um, but we need to act. Unfortunately, what drives our society is money. And climate change obviously is not expensive enough yet to actually act. What the climate, the response to COVID, what it has done is shown us the systems are integrated. They, you know, we, we can't have an economy until we've got our health. So it's yeah, it's showing that they're showing those connections, and people have accepted that. Maybe maybe now people will start to accept a, a wider understanding of the the connectedness of systems. I I would challenge you on that. Um, I think in New Zealand we've accepted that. Um, I don't think the rest of the world has accepted that. Um, I honestly, I'm a big believer you cannot ha have an economic response until you have a, um, a health response. Otherwise, the, the, 
the, the, the, the economic response just gets dragged on and on and on and on and on. And you don't actually achieve anything because you're going in and out. Um, as we're seeing in North America right now, um, they, they went half into it. So therefore, when you're half into something, you're not actually, actually in or out. So you may as well not do anything. Um, and so they've had all the pain and they're only, because they've only gone half in, they're sort of dra- going to drag it on forever. That's how I feel. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong in the in the future, of course. Um, and I, actually, to be honest, I actually hope I am proven wrong in some ways. But I don't think that everyone is at the same level of awareness around the necessity of a health response than the level of awareness in New Zealand. Do you think we're looking at a, a return to, to business as usual or is it going to be a return to to something else? To something else. It needs to be. Um, I'm very hopeful it'll be something else, and I hope that it'll be version two number version two plus, um, because ultimately we were flawed. Our, our, our model was possibly too too far to the um, capitalist nature, for want of a better word, um, where money was taking a larger uh, part of the decision criteria around the way the society was working. And I'm not saying it's not important. It's vitally important. It is everything in terms of the way that our society is currently structured. But the weighting that it was given and the decision criteria has probably swung a little bit too far. To actually make the change, it's not just a decision from the government to do that. That's the combined decisions of lots of little businesses. Do you think that those little businesses will come out of this with a a kinder set of values or perhaps a a more regenerative approach to business? I'm very hopeful. Um, But until someone goes through something where they're about to lose everything and that actually chooses the path of decisions they're going to make um, and it has to become a values-based decision rather than, which is often based on survival, uh, yeah, that's that's when we'll soon see people's true colours. I'm very hopeful that the... um, that the actions people will take in the future will be more considered, however. Yeah. Well, let's hope when the pressure comes back on, they will perform in ways that we want to. And that was a very clever segue, even though I do say so myself, to Under Pressure. Oh, what a song. What a song. What a segue. Amazing. Slashed and torn
I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Last couple of years? Um, biggest success? I would say um, helping my wife on her journey of self-discovery. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're in our team of people doing good work. What is the superpower that has got you into our mansion? Oh, goodness me. Um, that is, oh, what is the superpower? I would just say, um, I would say listening would be my superpower. There you go. Listening. Mm. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No. I just know what's right and I stand up for it. I'll say that again. I just know what I think is right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. There's another great song um, by Live. the colors, the color of gray, and it's one of my favorite songs as well. And uh, it talks about the, the not the Fifty Shades of Gray, but the uh, <laughs> the the um, how not everything in this world is black and white. And there you go. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, creating a better future for my children. And I've what challenge? Role model for it. And what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, my goodness. Um, the, the, the biggest challenge for me is uh, getting fit again <laughs> and being a great example and role model to my, to my kids. That's going to be the biggest challenge for me. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, do what's real. Do what you love. Get involved. Stand up for what you believe in listen because what you believe in may not actually be what everyone else believes in there are thousands and thousands of religions out there for example doesn't mean that anyone's wrong um yep thousands of ways to do business doesn't mean that any way's wrong do what you what you believe in and that's all you need to do then do it with a passion sounds fantastic mawira um carl that was really cool and uh and i really like that um the the idea of being a role model to your kids because if you're not living it then it's not authentic and then it's not sustainable really mm. you can't keep going with things that if it's not real it's not if it's not real enough so that it becomes the way we choose to live and so thank you for being a good authentic role model to your children in our community thank you that's very kind and thank you very much for joining us you're welcome really enjoyed it <laughs> let's go out to live the beauty of gray i told you he was your brother we could reminisce then you would go about your day if i said you ought to give him some of your water you'd shave your canteen and walk away the perception that divides you from him is a lie for some reason you your mother we could analyze the situation and be gone if i said you ought to give us some of your water your eyes would light up like the dawn the perception that divides you from her is a lie for some reason you never ask why this is not a black and white world Black and white world to be alive. I 
been listening to Blowing Bubbles Positive Conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and also in Fakatani, Carl Graydon. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's not a black and white world to be alive. I say the colors must swirl, and I believe that maybe today we will appreciate the beauty of gray. This is not a black and white world to be alive. I say the colors must swirl, and I believe that maybe today. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.